0: tonight and we're going to be in psalm 119 if you have your bibles let's open up there as we continue uh our journey through this psalm it's all about the bible and so how many of you here love the word of god i mean do you love the word of god can you honestly say that 11 times in psalm 119 the psalmist says that he loves the the law of god he loves the testimonies of god he loves the commandments he loves the scriptures you know and it's because it's it's god's word and as you learn it and then you begin to put it into practice you see what a blessing it is to your life and so um we're going to see as we study psalm 119 it's taken us a while to go through it Lord willing, we're going to finish it up next week. Uh, what a, a joy it is. Uh, tonight, we're going to cover five different Hebrew letters. Remember, Psalm 119, and you've got to know this chapter, man. Many uh, people in church history who have been used by God in a great way have memorized Psalm 119. It's one of those chapters that just, in one sense, it stands uh, uh, like like this rock, that is worthy of us just going back to over and over and over again. It's 176 verses. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 1 is about the Bible. Psalm 19 is about the Bible. And Psalm 119 is about the Bible. And the more you study these chapters, the more you will love God's word because it's so cool. And then the more you love God's word and not just, you know, head knowledge, but Lord, I want to learn it, to live it. It will completely, radically transform your life. And so anyways, uh, remember we talked about how it's all the different letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And, uh, and so each letter um, is represented in eight stanzas all the way through. And then when you come to each letter, then what it has is eight lines that start with that Hebrew letter and the reason we believe and some people believe believe david wrote it we don't know for sure but whoever wrote it more than likely the reason he did it that way with that alphabetic acrostic is that so that you could memorize psalm 119 so how many of you here would be like no way i could never do that you're thinking that right you don't know that the holy spirit lives inside of you and you can do this i mean i don't if the lord lays it on your heart i tell you what um, it is a blessing. We, we start in verse 89 with the Hebrew letter uh, Lamed. And notice what we read here, Psalm 119, verse 89. It says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. I mean, it's, it's not like ambiguous. It's settled. It will come to pass. The Bible is total truth. It, it will not change. It cannot change. We can count on it, we can stand on it, for God will fulfill it every day of our lives, and then on and on, forever and ever and ever. He said it, that settles it, we should therefore believe it and receive it. This is the Bible, man, what else is like that? You know, Jesus said in Matthew twenty-four thirty-five, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. You know, and then I wonder sometimes, more than likely we will, but, you know, reading the Bible in heaven, it's forever, right? The the apostle, quoting from Isaiah 40, verse 6 through 8, wrote in First Peter 1, 24 and 25, Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and his flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so right here, he says, Forever, O Lord, your word is is settled in heaven verse verse 90 your your faithfulness endures to all generations you establish the earth and it abides now this is one of only five verses in all psalm 119 that doesn't mention god's word explicitly and just in case you're interested the other verses are 84 121 122 we'll cover those tonight And 132. And so, my Bible, I went and I circled those uh, verses. So, only five out of 176 don't mention the word explicitly. But we see here in verse 90 that it highlights God's faithfulness. You know, and that's the cool thing. Earlier, we were singing a song like the tides. Like the tide. You guys go to the ocean and you see the tides, they just keep coming in, the waves, they just keep coming in, and it just doesn't stop. That's God. That's his faithfulness. That's his character. He doesn't change. We have a good day, bad day. He never has that. His love never changes. His grace never fades. He is so faithful. And eventually when that when that hits home, hopefully it just it just changes us. You know, there's something about the faithfulness of God that carries us through the difficulties, right? You know, aren't you glad God's not up and down and all around that our Father The giver and lover of our lives is just faithful to all generations. You know, there in verse uh, 91, uh, notice what it says. They continue this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants. Now, the they in verse 91, what's that in reference to? Um, it, It may be in reference to heaven and earth. You know, because they, you know, heaven and, and earth, it, it continues, how they continue today. And it, it may be in reference to Israel. Notice again uh, that, that your faithfulness endures to all generations. It says in verse 90, they continue this day. It may just be in reference to um, just mankind as a whole, right? All I know is that, is that God's word holds everything and everyone together. He sustains us by his word. And that's pretty much what we see. Um, They continue this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants. In verse 92, he says, Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. So what do you do when you're afflicted? You know, what do you do when bad things happen? You know, are you one of those people that blame God? How God? How how could you do this? Or are you one of those people who get mad at Him, or maybe you're one of those people who run from God? And you're like bad. You you, are, you define it as a bad thing, and so next thing you know, you're not you know there anymore in your fellowship. That that you know you see some people do that, but what this uh, psalmist does he says is that, is that he seeks the word. Verse 92, unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. You know, thank God that he loved the word enough that when he went through the afflictions, the hard times, the difficulties, when the devil came after him and all his demons or whatever it is, that he had enough spiritual sense and hunger to, to just, I still got to open up my Bible. I still got to get into the word because otherwise homeboy would have been swallowed alive. See, it's important for us to never, you got to have that consistency every day. You can't go out without, you know, checking in with your general. I mean, getting the marching orders that that God uh, provides, right? And what we should do, what we could do is just open up the word and let it be our delight. In verse ninety-three, he says, "I will never forget your precepts, for by them, you have given me life." And, and this verse it highlights the heart that wants to learn it, and and so they want to learn it to 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 never forget it. You know, it's not just like sometimes we'll take a test, we put it in short-term memory just so we can get past the test. You know, whatever. Go through your devotions and check off the list that you read the chapter for the day. No way. God, I, I'm reading your word and I want to I'll never want to forget it because it's by your word that I have life. And think about it, you guys. You were dead. We were dead in our sins. We didn't understand anything spiritually. You know, people could talk, you know, spiritual jargon to us and it just went right over our head because we we didn't understand spiritual things. We were dead. But then the word of God it gave us life. It can save, God can save anyone, huh? I, I don't know if I should mention this, but I'm going to go ahead and take a step of faith. I was, uh, um, I don't know, I heard through the through the grapevine, through the grace vine, that Kanye West um, got saved. Now, I'm just saying that out there. I'm not telling you that I believe it's true, but I will say this is possible. You know, you guys probably know a little bit about his story. Um, um, you know, he he said started these church things. Maybe he had some type of upbringing when he was growing up. I don't know, some type of Christian connection. But his wife said that he started it just for his own healing, like he wanted to experience his own healing. But then, as he continued through this, um, he he she said he met Jesus. That he's a Christian now, and now you know I, I'm starting to hear a little bit. And I and I kind of watched a video the other day. I mean, I don't know. I mean, someone was telling me, no, you know, I'm sure it's just a show. And it might be. It might be that he's just trying to make money now. It might be that he's, you know, whatever, likes the power. I will say this, that if it's true, if he is saved, the best thing for him would just to go and sit in a church, not lead a church. Because, you know, you have to, you can't let a novice be a pastor. But, you know, at the end of the day, time will tell, huh? Is Kanye West, can he be saved? Anyone can be saved. Even you can be saved. (laughs) You might be, because there might be some people here tonight thinking, not me, I don't know if I can do this. You can't, but God can. This is why verse 93 says, I will never forget your word because I remember, Lord, when I was dead. And somebody spoke this word and you gave me life. See, that's how huge the Bible is. Right? We've talked about that, that by the Spirit of God taking the Word of God, he conceives a child of God. And by the Spirit of God taking the Word of God, he conforms us into the image of God. And not just life initially, but life abundantly. That's why Ephesians says be filled with the Spirit, and Colossians says be filled with the Word. And so it's so cool when you see this. And then in... Verse 94, he says, I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. And here, you know, uh, Lord, remind us we're in a battle, right? and we, we need to remember as believers and as Christians, we belong to the Lord. And so the battle belongs to the Lord. Let's do what the psalmist says here. He says uh, in verse 94, "I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts." The wicked wait for me to destroy me. Do you believe that? Do you believe there's a battle for your soul? There is. So what he says, I will do is I will consider your testimonies. That's what I'm going to do. And we keep going back to that during the hard times. You know, you go to the word during the the, the times of of war and battle. You go to the word. We keep in the word, right? The the word consider right here, the NIV translates it as ponder or the NET says concentrate. The NLT says I keep my mind there on God's law. And so that's what we do. We're concentrating, we're pondering these things. And so it's so cool to to see and then in, in verse ninety-five it says, The wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. I have seen The consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. And then the next Hebrew letter, Mem, begins in verse 97 where he says, Oh, how I I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation, I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. Now, um, it really is a different life when you're one of those people who simply saturate yourself in the scriptures. It's a different life. You know, I always go back to Psalm 1, the very first psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. You know, that that's a different life, you know. And we're talking about meditation. I, I remember back when I was a, a Christian in, in the early days, I remember someone gave me Joshua one eight, and they said, you've got to memorize this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to what, all that's written in it. You know, for then, it says, you're, uh, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And so you're meditating in it. You're, it's not departing from your mouth. That means you're talking it. You're saying it. And then what ends up happening is you're obeying it, and then your life is a spiritual success. You see, the, the blessing the book of life brings, the spiritual success, the proper type of prosperity That's why the psalmist loves God's law, and that's why, you know, we should uh, too. Look look down at verse 103. How, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now, honey was their form of chocolate, or for us, you know, last night I had cotton candy. That's so good, you know, sweet, but this is better than that stuff. And we see, you know, what God teaches us regarding meditation. Notice there in verse 98, you guys, that this makes us wiser than our enemies. How many of you here think you need to be smarter than Satan? (laughs) We probably do need to be a step ahead of our enemies, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's interesting. He says there in verse 98, for they are ever with me again i have more um, verse 98 you, you through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies for they are ever with me what's ever with you your enemies probably or or the word both <laughs> but you know you can never let your guard down i don't think so i mean i don't know about you but i i wake up in the morning and Right away, there's a temptation to get my phone. No, leave the phone there, Manny. Don't be phony. You leave it there, you know. And you, you know, but every day, I already know what I'm supposed to do. But still, I'm like, okay, well, today's an exception. No, leave your phone there. Leave your watch there. If you're going to use your computer, turn off your Wi-Fi and go and spend time alone with me, you know. But we can never let your guard down. And then when you're spending time alone with the Lord. You know, it's cool, but then you go back and now you know you have people that you have to be around and a life to live. I mean, it's, the enemies are always there. They're always there. And so his word needs to always be there as well, right? And so if we personally meditate on the scriptures, we'll have more wisdom than our enemies, which we need. And according to verse 99, we'll have more understanding than all our teachers. Think about that. Notice again when he says in verse 99, I have more understanding than not just some of my teachers, all my teachers. For your testimonies are my, there's that word again, meditation. You're just meditating on it. You didn't go to school and get a degree. You didn't learn Hebrew or Greek language. You just kept meditating on it. I'm telling you guys, there's power in that. There is power. It's amazing. Wiser than your enemies. More understanding than all your teachers don't think that just because you haven't been a Christian as long as that person or, or you haven't been studying the Bible uh, like them or maybe you've never even formally taught the scriptures. Listen, if you decide to dig in, it's very possible that you'll have more understanding than your teachers. You know, verse uh, 100 even says that you'll have more understanding than the ancients. Look again there in verse 100. I understand more than the ancients. You see, because of the core of Christianity, the the Holy Spirit is your teacher. And so, you know, you guys remember that passage in 1 John 2, 27. He said, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it taught you you will abide in him. Look at verse 102 right here. Notice what it says. I have not departed from your judgments for you yourself have taught me. See the Holy Spirit will teach you. You'll have uh, more wisdom than your enemies, more understanding than your teachers, all your teachers. You can actually have more understanding than the ancients, and that's the old guys, the ones that have been Christians for a long time. Now, I know you might be thinking, "Well, what do I do with that?" You know, it's not that you know we don't have teachers in the church, but if you don't have one with a small t, let's just say you're in a situation like that. You do have one with a capital T, that's the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of you. And and maybe, you know, you're reading the Bible more than the teacher is with an open heart or, or with a heart to obey. And you might actually be soaking in it longer than your leader. You just never know, right? And so uh, it's so cool to know that God can do that in anyone's life. I'm telling you, you know the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, the life that's abundant is available to anyone who wants to just soak in the scriptures and meditate on it themselves, you know? And so you're like, "Well, Manny, well, what if I know more than you?" That, you know what? That's cool. I think that's awesome. And believe you me, every good parent and every good pastor wants their children to excel beyond them, right? You know, not that you would necessarily go up to your teacher or elder and tell them, hey, I know more than you now, and I can replace you, you know, because <laughs> that's not really what it's about. It's for your own spiritual condition. It's not about position, right? And and God has no problem putting you where he wants you to be when and if he wants you to be there. All it is primarily is us seeking the Lord. You know, and you can have insight You can have this understanding. You can have this wisdom that will just blow your mind. It's just a blessing to know that there are people, not necessarily in the pulpit, but in the pew, who read and heed and they grow because they know the Bible so well. Notice what we read next in verse 101. He says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And so it's it's cool what he's doing, and obviously he wants us to do the same, right? Have I restrained my feet from evil? Or have I stepped away and departed from God's judgments? You know, what's my spiritual geography? You know, God sees every step I take. He sees every single one of them. And they're all important because if I go anywhere where I don't belong, if I bail to the bar, then I'm going to fall, right? And you guys took your steps and you came to church service tonight. I'm blessed and encouraged by that. A lot of times, people will take their steps and and go in the wrong direction. You know, this is how we keep His Word, by by going to the right place. This is how I stick to the Scriptures. If I ever find myself struggling, I have to honestly ask myself, do I, like the psalmist, honestly, do I hate every evil way? We're going to see that a few times as we go through the Scriptures tonight. We should hate what God hates right you guys agree and we should love what god loves proverbs six sixteen says these six things the lord hates yes seven are an abomination to him and of course you can read throughout the bible many many things that god hates but it's kind of cool here that he gives a list of seven things a proud look so we can't do this anymore a proud look you know a lying tongue Uh, Murder, he hates. uh, Plans, when you plan to do evil, sometimes we fall, but planning to do evil. um, A false witness in the courts of law and life, and someone who sows discord or division among the disciples. And those are those words that we should not speak because deep down inside you know that there's something going on that's not right. You know, Psalm 97, verse 10 says, You who love the Lord hate evil, right? How many of you would say that hate is a strong word? Hate is a strong word. huh, it is a strong word, but this is how we stay strong by hating evil. Don't just you know play with it, not holding or, or you know harboring it, or or you know, we tolerate it in our life. Uh, we might consider it's just a small sin in our lives no you guys that's not gonna really get us to where we want to be we want to come to a place we don't hate sinners but we hate sin all sin that's where we have to be and so um the next word is uh the word none and we read in verse 105 your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path most of you know that verse isn't that beautiful where would we be we would be in total and absolute darkness were not for god and his word i mean darkness we'd be in those caves you know where there's no light you know or i don't know if you've ever gone camping and uh, where there's just there's no light you know it might be like camping might be a good illustration because when you go camping and everyone has their lights off there's a little bit of light maybe from the stars and so when we were created we do have a conscience so there is a a slight light but you know it's not much It's, it's nowhere nearly enough the bible is our light how many times let me ask you guys a question how many times do you use your light on your phone well i shouldn't ask you how many times how how many of you use that the light on your phone a lot of us do huh The other day, I went to Home Depot, and I've been wanting to get this for forever. I don't know what took me so long, but I wanted to get a good flashlight, you know, because I had this big flashlight, but it had a little light. It was not very good. I don't know if it had just bad batteries, but I went the other day, and I got this little teeny flashlight. I got one for every member of my family just in case, you know, the power goes out or something, and, man, it's like a mile away. You can see it, you know and um and that's kind of how the bible is in th- in the land of, of darkness we would not have that light for what step is there a hole there is there you know something there that i shouldn't go near that's all found and given to us as we read god's word you know psalm 19 verse 8 it says the commandment of the lord is pure enlightening the eyes proverbs six twenty three: for the commandment is a lamp and the law a light, right? And then there's that beautiful passage in Nehemiah 9, verse 12. It says, Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar, and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road they should travel. And so, you know, you picture the Jews in the the heat, in the wilderness. There is a cloudy pillar there to lead them during the heat. But then at night, Uh, they didn't have a light and there were times where god says i want you to to move and so there was this pillar of fire god gave them light and and i will say this that that um god will lead us as we're in the word you know and i'm talking about everything you know i'm talking about this the way that he speaks to us god god gave me a verse god gave me a verse When I was praying to him, Lord, should I ask Shelly to marry me? This is a long time ago. I remember I opened up my Bible. I said, God, speak to me. And I can tell you the passage that he used in my life to direct me to make the best decision other than receiving Jesus Christ in my life, and that is to ask her to marry me. God gave me a verse for that. You know, I can tell you the way that he guides us through his Word. Over the last thirty years, I've found God to speak very personally to me through His Word, and that's why it's important to just be going through the Bible. Don't just play Bible bingo; you have to somehow go through it. He gave me a word to propose to Shelley, He gave me a specific scripture when He wanted me to change jobs. He gave me his word when he wanted me to start the church in Almani. And, and, and he gave me different, I can tell you a million times. You know, when I, one time when I called Pastor Rawl, it all, it all happened because God spoke to me through his word. And he will lead you as you're in the word. So it's a light, he says. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's what God says, and that's why I encourage you. Be in the word. You know, it's cool coming to studies. Keep coming because God can speak to you here. But I think the best manna is that fresh manna when you're all alone. All right, thank you. Uh, Psalm 19, 106. I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments okay everyone so let's place our left hand on our bibles lift our right hand to the lord (laughs) and repeat after me Uh, lord i do swear and declare that i will keep your righteous judgments so help me god it's kind of funny it kind of seems like he did that huh Maybe you've never done it formally. I know that in the New Testament it says, we don't need to swear, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But there's something about this that makes it final, that makes it formal. You know, I'm not just playing church. I'm not just, you know, one of those guys who, you know, has the bumper sticker. No, I I know that if I'm a Christian, I have to follow Jesus Christ, the one who was nailed to a cross for me. And so I will. I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your your righteous judgments. In in verse one oh seven, I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord. Remember we've seen revive me nine times in Psalm 119, O Lord, according to your word. That's how He revives us, right? Except I pray the free will offering of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgments. Now, it's kind of cool. One of the things, have you guys noticed that prayer and the word go together? You know, like when we're reading the word, God's talking to us, and this whole psalm, which is about the word, is a prayer spoken to God. And so it's kind of cool. We notice that these things are Siamese twins. They go together. But I thought it was interesting in verse 108 how he says, I accept, I pray, the free will offerings of my mouth. You know, and so when you read the Bible, I believe in what's called tithes. And so tithes is when you give off the top, the 10%. That's kind of like the minimum. But then the offerings or, or the donations, they, they go beyond that. And so here's an offering that you give with your lips. So what do you think it is? Worship? Huh? Maybe Maybe praying? I'm just talking about the Lord. You know, but it's kind of cool just looking at how that can actually happen. Maybe you don't have any extra. You're like, all I have is tithes. That's it, you know? And so what you can do is you can give him uh, that type of offering. In, In verse 109, he says, My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. Or as one translation puts it, My life is in continual danger. But I do not forget your law. You know, I was reading this article right here. uh, Just recently on uh, Fox, uh, there was a a news story about a child who was crushed by a vehicle. And uh, apparently this family, it says, uh, they were leaving church, the Everett family in Arkansas. And so after church, they're heading to lunch. And uh, they... Uh, happened to be in a situation where a vehicle in the parking lot appeared out of nowhere and crushed their small son, Titus, underneath. And so here's Titus, and he has a 5,000-pound car on top of him. And so his dad's trying to lift the car. He he can't. And then through the whole process, uh, the story is kind of cool. You can probably look it up. As he was trapped under the SUV, his dad, Jason, tried to pull it off, but it wouldn't budge. And so uh, his mom just laid down on the ground, holding his hand and telling him over and over again, God is with you, Titus. God is with you. And we just kept singing, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And so it's interesting when you read the whole story, eventually, some people came around and they were able to lift up the car and and get little Titus out. But you know, they took him to the hospital, he had sustained injuries, and they were ready to operate and As they began to conduct the tests on him, they realized that he was in much better condition than they expected, and they didn't have to perform surgery after all and And you know, you talk to this family, and this is on on Fox. Um, they, he said, they, they said, they credited the, the whole uh, incident of him surviving the way that he did. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. A child crushed by a vehicle survives, and he credits the Bible verse for saving him. You know, and I'm not saying it always happens that way. Of course, we know it was, sometimes it, God has different plans, but there's power in faith there is power in the word and that's what he his, he kept seeing we're going to see it later uh, lord you're with me lord you're with me he was focused and we need to have that in our hearts right here he talks about how his life again verse 109 is continually in danger he's in danger you're there in a dangerous situation but he didn't forget you know god's word and in verse 110 it says the wicked Have laid a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Ask yourself, are they? Do you love God's word that much? Uh, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes uh, like this forever to the very end. You know, and, and I don't want to sound like a killjoy or a quencher, but in one sense, you guys, it's not time to celebrate yet. It's not over yet. You know, you might be here and thinking, oh, cool, and you can kind of put it in, in, in whatever cruise control or, or, or neutral. No, we have to incline our hearts to perform his statutes forever to the very end. Last night, I went to an Angel game with my family, and it's just a, a blessing being together, even though I'm a Dodger fan. Um, I like the Angels second, because um, my son and my daughter like the Angels. My wife likes the Yankees, so I like the Yankees and the Angels second. I like the Dodgers first, by far, just in case you're thinking I'm a traitor. But I like going with them and being with them. And But most of the time, to be honest, the Angels don't win when we go, and so... Last night, it was cool. They were up 2-1 to one going into the ninth inning. And we're thinking, yes, finally, Lord, the Angels win. And they lost. <laughs> uh, the A's are in the playoff race, and so they probably have a little extra urgency. And so they hit a two-run home run in the top of the ninth, and they go on to win. And so it's another lesson in the fact that, you know, you've you got to keep going. you got to keep, um, you know, just obeying for the rest of your life. You know, I always tell people, just keep believing until the day you see him. Until the day you see him face to face. And that's what he says right here. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. I mean, what would have happened if Jesus didn't finish? But that was his heart. He said it during his ministry. Jesus even said to them, when they wanted to give him food, he said, I'm okay, I don't need any food. My food, he said in John four thirty four is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work, I want to finish, I know i'm there's still work to do. you're here, I don't know how old you are, I don't know you' maybe you're thinking, well, I'm pretty much done. you're not done. There's still work for you to do. you've got to finish, and Jesus finished in John nineteen thirty he said to tell us die' And it is finished. He finished the work. Paul had the same heart in Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty-four. When they told him, "You're going to go through hard times," I mean, anyway, this guy that's going, you know, there to Jerusalem. They're going to bound him, bind him, and and so you know, they're trying to warn him not to go, take the easy life. But Paul said in Acts twenty and twenty-four, "None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy." and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And Paul did. He finished the race. I pray that you would too. You can talk to any pastor. And most more likely all of you guys here are Christians. You know people who used to, and now they don't. So you got to finish. And that's what he says right here. Uh, I'm inclining my heart, God, to perform your statutes, to obey your word, forever to the very end. And then Psalm 113, he says, I hate the double-minded, but I love uh, your law. And again, uh, not that we hate people, but we hate that whole, you know, mediocre concept of the doubting man. In James chapter 1, verse 8, he talks about it. That The man who doubts is like this double-minded man. And he's tossed like, you Know with the waves here and there and everywhere, Paul. Uh, um, the psalmist says, I, I, that's I don't like that. You know, um, he says, I, I, I love your law, I, I hold to your law. I don't got a half heart for the world and a half heart, you know, for you. No, I, I love your law. Verse 114 You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word depart from me you evildoers for i will keep the commandments of my god uphold me according to your word that i may live and do not let me be ashamed of my hope hold me up and i shall be safe and i shall observe your statutes continually now we're talking about something radical we're talking about something you know where you want to give god every area of your life and i think about this all the time every thought must be yielded to him every word i say when i say it how i say it it's all yielded to him every decision none are obsolete from god every decision every action all that i am it all belongs to him so you might be thinking well that's a hard thing to do well we can never do it on our own strength but we can do it by the power of the holy spirit and what we find right here is the psalmist is just saying, hold me up, Lord. Hold me up. We, I think we have a picture. I mean, this is a picture that I'm sure many of you guys have seen a million times of Jesus holding up this guy, you know? And uh, in, my, in my computer, I have it labeled as Jesus holding me up. That's what he does for us, huh? When you, when you let him, you're not kicking. You're, there I am with the hammer in my hand. I'm the one that nailed him to the cross, and I don't have the strength. But right here, there's that prayer, Lord, uphold me in verse 116. Hold me up in, in verse 117. I know I have a responsibility to pray and obey. I know I have my part. Uh, I would even tell people aggressively cooperate with God. But I would also tell people this, because if you think it's you, at the end of the day, you got to understand it's not. And I, at the end of the day, if there's anything good, I know it's him. And here's what I tell people. He gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. I don't, have, I don't have anything. I bring nothing to the table. He holds me up. And he holds you up. And, and when, you, when you realize that, you're like, Manny, it seems contradictory. No, it's complementary. It's the truth of God's word. You don't have to be afraid. You know, the Bible is so beautifully balanced. Notice even when we read next, you know, talk about responsibility. Look at what it says in verse 118. You reject, speaking of God, God, you reject all those who stray from your statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. You put away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you. I am afraid of your trancasos. It says in the Hebrew, (laughs) "Your judgments," you know, and and so there's that that balance. Uh, Healthy fear of God helps. You know, you want to stray away from the Scriptures, you then you can be deceived, and and God will. It says right there, He will put away the wicked like dross, and dross is defined as something as worthless and rubbish. And so He says there, "I I love your word." (laughs) I'm going to be reading your word. I love your word. And my flesh, it trembles for for fear of you. Not an unhealthy fear, but a healthy fear of God. Go hand in hand with loving his word. And then in, in verse 121, we have the last letter for tonight is Ayin. And he says in verse 121, I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my Oppressors, be surety for your servant for good. Do not let the proud oppress me. My eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. And so, as I mentioned to you earlier, verses 121 and 122 are another one of those five verses, not explicitly mentioning the scriptures. Um, but the psalmist here is still praying, and right here he prays for protection from oppression. And you see that in verse 21 and 122. And so I I like the way the uh, NIV renders Psalm 119, 122, where it says, ensure your servant's well-being. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. Uh, The New King James says, be surety for your servant. The NIV says, ensure your servant's well-being. And so, you know, we can be sure... That we can be confident, 100% sure that God will never leave us. Again, verse one 121, I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. God won't, huh? Isn't that what he said in Hebrews thirteen five? Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right? So he will never leave us. And then look at verse 122. Be sure to for your servant for good for good and so whatever happens if you don't embrace it as part of god's plan for the good things in your life you're going to struggle and that's why we can't just face trials we have to embrace trials knowing that god has will use that specifically for good right and so uh it's cool when you look at the just the, 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 the scriptures, verse 124, my, my eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. And so if I could ask you this, uh, based on those passages right there, who, who are you if you're a Christian or you're a believer? Who are you? I am your I am God's servant, right? In all reality we're servants of God. You know there's different Greek words. The Diakonos is the one who runs errands, the Hooperades is the under rower, the, the Doulos is a bond slave, but that's who we are. Uh, but we're we're not just servants, we're we're his servants. Uh, I am yours. And I wanted to quote the song. I was gonna sing it to you actually from Casting Crowns but we don't have enough time. But I love that song uh, released in 2004. um, I am yours. I am your servant. It's important for us to understand who we are. Look again at verse 94. I am yours. Save me. It's so important to know who you belong to. Psalm uh, uh, 119 verse 126. It says, It is time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void. And we feel that way, huh, don't we? A perfect description of the world we live in today, that they may give the Bible an aspect of respect, but there's no reverence for it. Right? Our country, it's interesting, it doesn't just uh, avoid it, they uh, they void it. You know, and uh, you can guys can see it everywhere. I was reading this article from um, William James. He's a professor at Cal State Long Beach and is a senior fellow at Witherspoon Institute in Princeton, New Jersey. And he recently spoke at the Heritage Foundation in Washington, D.C. And he said this, there is a correlation between the decline of the United States public schools and the U.S. Supreme Court's 1962 and 63 decision that sponsored Bible reading And defined it as unconstitutional he said this it may be the most spiritually significant event in our nation's history what event when they said you can't pray anymore when they said you cannot teach the bible anymore imagine how different our world would be if they just continued teaching the bible to our children but you take it away you're gonna you're gonna experience consequences right And so that was there in 62 and 63. And since then, uh, Jane said five negative developments have occurred. Uh, Number one, academic achievement has plummeted, including SAT scores. Uh, Number two, increased rate of -of out-of-wedlock births. Thirdly, increase in illegal drug use. Fourth, increase in juvenile crime. And then uh, lastly, deterioration of school behavior. He said, so we need to realize that taking the Bible out of school, taking prayer out of school, has negative consequences to our country. And and if you're here today and you're not reading the Bible, then that will happen to negative consequences. You make the decisions, but you don't have a choice on the consequences of those decisions. If you're not in the Word, you're going to feel it. If you're not in prayer... It's the school that we live in. Um, Back in 1940 through 1962, they said the top complaint of teachers was talking during class, chewing gum, making noise, running in the halls, and getting out of turn in line. Now it's things like rape, robbery, and assault. They're studying the Bible as literature, which is good, but it's not what we need it to be. Imagine, you guys, uh, how different it would be if they were allowed to read the Psalms. They were allowed to, to read the Proverbs. But the devil knows what to do. huh? Here we see that they, they void it out. They voided it out. And so for us, uh, verse 126, I think it's time for you to act, O Lord. Now, of course, we can't tell God, but... I think it's time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void. And therefore, I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, then, fine gold. We're talking the good stuff. Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right, and I hate every false way. You know, words like hate and love, we see it right here, almost side by side. They show passion. They show intensity. You know, it's not some guy who's just kind of like, you know, nominal, man. I mean, this is serious stuff, right? Uh, We often see them combined and contrasted in the scriptures because God wants to move us to, to radical living. God wants to move us to the extremities, you know, a radical love and a radical hate for sin. You know, Every once in a while you hear about a person described as a person that, you know, oh, that guy, yeah, whatever, he does something, he does it with all his heart. You know, they're all in. Listen, we should all be that way when it comes to, to Jesus. And you know, sometimes I think an extreme, I, I need that. I need an extreme makeover, you know. <laughs> and I think that our church does as well. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 8 says, there's a time to love and a time to hate. You don't hate people. But it's time to hate sin, right? You know, Psalm 97.10, I quoted it early, uh, earlier. And so prayerfully, you guys, we love the word. We, we love the Lord. Why do you love him so much? Uh, maybe we can put that picture back up on the, on the screen. Because he holds us up. Because he was nailed to a cross for us. Because even though we fail a million times, the moment you say, Lord, forgive me, and you mean it, he forgives you. And he washes away your sins. And he casts them as far as the east is from the west. And he will never bring them up again. You know, if you feel like condemned, you know, because that sin just keeps staring at you at the face, in your face, that's not God. That's, that's not God. That's the enemy. Our God is an amazing God. I mean, I don't know. I trip out how awesome his grace is. And so tonight as we have communion, I pray you would just know how blessed you are to have his word, to have his son, to have his spirit, to have his love, to have his life, to have his blood that washes you from your sins. And that today, wherever you are, wherever you're coming from, that you can meet with him and he will embrace you.